Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, what would you do if your favorite team moved? No matter the sport, with all its history, championships, coaches, Hall of Fame players, moments, what if they just packed up and left? You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, it's Tuesday. It's time to record. I got some stiffer notes, but I have notes nonetheless. Welcome in, NFL historians and lovers of sports history. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This show is for you guys and gals, and it's cool. If you already know this stuff, that's great. Golf clap for you. Uh, There's always somebody else who does not. Congratulations. But this show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to do three things, enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Billy Up Sports, Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Yes, we're a part of that. And BillyUpSports.com is where you will find not only me, but all of the myriad of the hosts of all of our many shows and platforms you've got stories you've got shows on youtube as well as audio and you can find us not on youtube yet but you can find all of us on spreaker apple podcast spotify google podcast amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio. my show is not on youtube yet but there are plenty that are. Okay, so let's just get into it. You know the thing that we like to do during the NFL season all the way through the Super Bowl. We don't do the Pro Bowl. Maybe I'll include that this year. I don't know. I don't watch the Pro Bowl. I just don't. But it's called the Rundown Week 2. So Chargers and Chiefs, all right, forget the fact that the Chargers dominated that football game to the fourth quarter. Forget the fact that uh, Chiefs defensive back who had a 99-yard pick six used to work at Wendy's with his mom. That's a great story. Forget the fact that Justin Herbert uh, was ripping the Chiefs a new one. You know, he had the fractured rib cartilage in the game, and the doctor that's treating him is named Dr. David Grazinga. He's being sued by current Giants quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Remember, he ultimately lost his job. He was going to lose the job anyway to Justin Herbert. I mean, you don't draft somebody that high and not play him. But, I mean, it didn't help that Grazinga went too far with the needle uh, that first week and punctured a lung. Nah, there's, there's no excuse for that. You're, you're paid to do these things. Um, but it's not about any of that. 27-24 comeback with the Chiefs win. The game was on Amazon Prime. I just got a question. I tried watching it on my TV, and it kept buffering. When I watched it on my iPad, it was fine. You could hear Kirk, Kirk Street. You could hear, hear uh, Al Michaels just fine, but it kept buffering. Was I the only one that experienced that? I, I, I don't know. I'm going to keep asking around. Anyway, Sunday. So 
Commanders and Lions, look, Hulk Hogan, I mean, Dan Campbell and those gritty Lions, it was a great win for them. I, I'm really excited fantasy football-wise because I made the switch to Amon Ross St. Brown. It's being my flex. And the dude had 41 points or something like that. I mean, you have the, the 100 and some odd yards, 160 yards and two touchdowns and 68 more yards rushing. I'll take it, All right? Great W against Washington, 36-27. Great, great win. Um, but... I have to say this, Carson Wentz, he and another quarterback I'm going to get to in a minute, he's kind of on his last leg, in my opinion. I mean, he had 300-something-odd yards passing. I think he threw like three touchdowns. But I don't know. I know it's early in the season, but he and another quarterback, I mean, they're on the you know, second and third team for a reason. And, I mean, we'll see what happens, but Washington – they're 0-2 now? No, no. They're 1-1. They're 1-1. They won last week. They won last week. Anyway, Bucks and Saints. All right, before we get into the Royal Rumble that was uh, Tampa Bay in, in New Orleans, so is Tom Brady and Giselle Bushman, are they really getting a divorce? If that's true, I mean, that's I hate that. I really do. I don't know if that's true or not. And I haven't done a lot of investigating. But I remember when I was doing the 80s Giants, and I was reading up on Bill Parcells. I can't remember if I saw it in a book, read it in a book, or if I saw it on some film. But Parcells admittedly said he was married to football. So were a lot of the coaches that were with him. And that's Tom Brady. You know, these guys ended up getting divorced. If Tom Brady gets divorced because of football, you know, it's almost like watching the movie. It's like you have a beautiful wife and great kids and you got money and, and there, but you just can't stay off the pipe, which is, the pigskin you can't stay off the pigskin go home tom i know it's a drug it is a drug just go home anyway to the game the bucks before the big brawl that was i mean you had marshawn Lattimore getting into the face of tom brady and tom brady was clapping back and you know because of a call he didn't get and you know you got tom brady throwing the pad again poor microsoft i gotta feel bad for them but you know there's a brouhaha Mike Evans, once once again, and he's suspended for what, a game? Mike Evans flies in, you know, coming off the top rope, shoves Mike Lattimore into the ground, and everybody's wrestling. Get off! You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was great because after that, they pick off Jameis Winston three times. Uh, Tom Brady throws a touchdown. They finally win a game in New Orleans, 20-10, to 10, after being tied at three for, what, three quarters? So, Great. Great for them. Panthers at Giants. All right, hold home. Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. They lost a tough one Sunday. They're now 0-2. Brian Dayball's, you know, New York Giants. They're 2-0 for the first time in six years. Graham Gano, he kicks a 56-yard field goal that proved to be in the game winner. And I mean, it was just a field goal fest. You know, a field goal fest. Congratulations. I can't even talk. Slow down. Congratulations, New York. Patriots at Steelers. Okay, so I, I I have my TVs on. As soon as I got, I had to work this Sunday from five in the morning, well, more like four thirty in the morning to one in the afternoon. And I, of course, I'm watching Sunday Countdown and all of the pregame shows. And I get home, I got a TV on my right uh, in front of me. I got my phone going. I got Red Zone. I got the two games that actually are playing in the city of Nashville. And you know, I'm watching the Steelers game. Even without Tom Brady, man, 
we still losing to the Patriots. I mean, the only solace I have is that, spoiler alert, everybody in the AFC North lost on Sunday. And then, I can't even pronounce the kid's name, the cornerback, uh, Aquilo Washington for Pittsburgh. He got mossed by Nelson Aguilar on that 44-yard touchdown. That was the difference in the game. We got to get better. I, I am trying to give my offense a chance. Cody Pickett, yeah, just going to get your arm warmed up. Colts at Jaguars. All right, so it's it's proven. No matter how bad the Jaguars are or improving, no matter how good the Colts are, they can't win in Jacksonville. That's eight straight games Jacksonville has beaten Indianapolis in Jacksonville. I don't know what it is. Good job, Doug Peterson. You know, I mean, it helps when you sack Matt Ryan five times, you pick him off three more times, and he's that other quarterback I'm talking about. He's already on his second team. He's kind of on his way out. He's not terrible. Don't kill me, Colts fans. I mean, I don't want to say he's not good, but he's not playing very well right now. I, I have nothing for you. Jamar Ch uh, Taylor, he only has 54 yards rushing. That helps. Jags 24, Colts Zippo. Jets and Browns. All I got is J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, <laughs> they beat the Browns. Look, I'm a Steelers fan, y'all. So anytime any of the AFC North, uh, the Cincinnati, or if it's Cleveland, if it's the Ravens, good job, whoever the other team was. You know, and if they're playing each other, just beat the Ravens because they're the best team in the division. Uh, but it was great seeing Joe Flacco, who lifetime is eight now 18-3 and three in his career against the Browns. Of course, he was the Ravens quarterback for a while. Four touchdown passes, 307 yards. You know, and another former Titans receiver that's running down the sidelines wide open, Mr. Davis. Uh, that, that helped that comeback. You know, they were down 31 to 17 with a minute and 55 seconds left to go in the game, in the fourth quarter, in the game. And they're down 16 points. Once again, Cade York, he's here on one week. Goat this week. He makes the extra point. Maybe they have a chance to try and win it in overtime. Dolphins at Ravens. Speaking of which, Tua had to put on an Alabama jersey and just put on his Crimson Tide colored glasses on Sunday because he just went into uh, beast mode for real. Six touchdown passes, and they were down big. They were down big. 35 to 14. When do you see the Ravens with Lamar Jackson going to lose a game up 35 to 14 at home? It doesn't happen, does it? And the guy ran for 117 yards and, and he threw for 300 and had three touchdowns. You think that they're going to win the game right? Wrong. That's the reason why you get Tariq Hill. That's the reason why you get Jalen Waddle. Those are the two reasons. Both of them had two touchdowns, both 11 catches. And I know at one point I was like, look, Tua just fade back and just throw it deep to Cheetah. And that's when that 60-yard touchdown happened. Not long after that 40-yard touchdown happened. And he has 190 yards. Waddle has 171, including the game winner. I mean, wham, bam, thank you, Tua. I appreciate that. Oh, by the way, Mike Kosecki, don't ever gritty again. Just retire it. Just don't even practice in the mirror. I saw the tweet. It looked good at home. A lot of stuff looks good at home. We sound good in the shower singing at home. Gritty in the comfort of your own home. All right. 
Falcons at the Rams. All right, so yeah, we know the joke. The, the, the Falcons, they were down 28 to three. They would never live that down. Never, ever, 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 okay? And the Rams, it's like they wanted to give the game away. And Marcus Mariota, he put on the old Oregon Ducks, Oregon Ducks jersey, and you see the play when he fell flat on his face, got up, switched the ball to the other hand, and still threw a dart towards the sideline. I thought for sure they were going to end up winning that game, you know. But then, you know, like I said, Sean McVay and Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, y'all need to tell Jalen Ramsey, thank you. Thank you for that pickoff in the end zone because it was not looking good. They better fix that defense, man. They got to fix the offense as well. Look better this week. Rams 32, Falcons 27. All right. Oh, Drake uh, London, the rookie receiver for Atlanta. Yeah, he's good. Seahawks 49ers, I'm guessing the San Francisco, they're glad they signed Jimmy G because without him, they lose that game. I mean, the offense looked a lot better, a lot more fluid. And see, we're, I'm waiting on these people to start getting right back uh, uh, all up in Jimmy G's case when he messes up because it's going to happen. He's not going to play perfect, but the offense hums. And I feel really bad for Trey Lance. That's the second broken leg ankle I saw over the weekend Saturday I think it was a kid for either North Carolina State or Texas Tech they showed the replay I saw the kid land on the ground I just happened to walk right back into the living room and they were showing the, the replay and you just saw the kid's skin just split and the bone broke and and you saw it right there in his shin I'm like oh my god I think it was what was the lower part of your leg that that's the part that broke yeah that was ugly uh, anyway, I mean, good for the 49ers. They did it. They did it. Bengals at Cowboys. I like hard knocks, but I really would like to know what it's really like. I mean, I know what it's like, but I would really like to be a fly on the wall of the offensive line room of the Cincinnati Bengals. They stink. They made all those changes, and they still stink. Cowboys, you know, they won the game, you know, but... Joe Burrow gets sacked, what, six more times? Seven last week? Dude, he's on a roll <laughs> and not on a good one. They have a, such a talented offense, and they just got to get some people. They block like they're playing flag football with their hands behind their back. I don't understand it. But anyway, you know, Cooper Rush, the Cowboys back up. You know, he he brings them down the field, and Brett Meyer, he, he kicks the 50-yarder. You know, and then the Cowboys win that game, what was it, 20 to 17? Because the Bengals, with all of that, they come back and tie the game. Get the guy some help. They can get back to the Super Bowl. They may even win it. You know, they can't block anybody. Somebody get Joe Burrow on with Shaq in those icy hot commercials. Stat. Texans at Broncos. Man, Denver's off. Their offense is not really good right now. That's two games in a row they scored 16 points. They should have won the first one, and they barely got through the second one. And the, the, the turnovers, the red zone, I'd boo, boo, I'd boo them too. Yes, boo, boo. They need to be booed. You have Russell Wilson and Javante Williams and, and Cortland Sutton. And you got weapons. I know Jerry Judy went down hurt, but you got some guy. Even the fact you have a quarterback, you should be doing a lot better than that. It's kind of making look, um, let look making <laughs> Pete Carroll look like he knew what he was doing. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. But 16-9, uh, they got that win against the Texans and Lovey Smith. I mean, nobody's perfect, but 
God, y'all got to do better. Cardinals at Raiders. You want to know why Kyler Murray was picked first overall a couple of years ago? Sunday. That's the reason why. And he only's going to get better. They were down 20 to nothing. And then he's scrambling around there in the fourth quarter to pick up the two, the touchdown and the two-point conversion. Throws a dart at, what was it, 84 yards in 21 seconds. If you were watching uh, the NFL Network, if you were watching Red Zone, they can't catch him. And I don't... And, uh, Carr is not a bad quarterback. Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback. They don't have a good offensive line either. They got weapons and, and stuff, but they, they've got to fix that offensive line as well. Man, they can't get these guys right, you know, for nothing. The defense is pretty decent, but then, you know, poor Hunter Renfro, he fumbles the ball on back, back-to-back plays. The tight end bailed him out the first time, and the second time, <laughs> well, you know, Byron Murphy, Picked it up, and that was it. Boom, bang, pow. They come back. Oh, and Kyler get punched. Celebrating with the Cardinals fans after the game. I don't even know if they caught the guy yet. I mean, it's Tuesday, and this will drop on Wednesday. Hopefully, I'll know after the show at some point. Anyway, we're going to move on. Sunday night, Bears at Packers. Aaron Rodgers, you can see the visible frustration that some of it should have been on him, and I believe he knows some of that was him. He's throwing some crazy balls out there, first and second quarter. All they had to do was just keep running the ball. You know, those young receivers aren't ready. Uh, it took Cobb and and Sammy Watkins to, to actually put that thing together. They don't have A.J. Dillon running the football as well as, for a surety, uh, Mr. Jones. That dude is a beast. And he got more than, the what, the eight touches he had in the first week. And, you know... They, they, uh, they did their thing. They ran the football, and Justin Fields has no offensive line either. He doesn't. Every time he's dropping back, there's somebody around his feet. So they need to fix their offensive line as well. 24-7, I think, was the final score uh, from Lambeau. Monday Night Football doubleheader. Look, what am I supposed to say? I live in Nashville. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm a Titans supporter. I root for the Titans as well. There was nothing to root for. The Bills are probably going to, if they're not going to win the Super Bowl, they'll probably at least get there. I think they'll at least get there. 41 to 7. What are you supposed to say to that? You got whooped. They remember what happened last year, and they had a chance to win that game last year. This is not the same Titans team. That's the reason why they say the 85 Bears or or the uh, the 97 Houston Oilers or the you know the the 2021 Tennessee Titans, the 66 Packers, whether they're great or whether they're average or whatever, okay? The the 82 Falcons, that the, each team is different. They don't have the weapons they had last year, and that big robot that I that everybody calls Derrick Henry, you know my favorite Titan. I, there was no 25 yards rushing on the day. What are you supposed to do? There's nothing There's nothing that can be done. Now, the second game, Eagles hosting the Vikings. The Vikings should, as long as Kirk Cousins is a Minnesota Viking, you should not have any prime time game scheduled, especially on Monday night. What's his record now? He's, he had, coming in, he had the worst record on Monday night football in history. It was, what, 2-8? and eight? Now it's 2-9. and nine. Take him over there. Jalen Hurts, good job. You showing me something, my man. Uh, it takes some work and a coach to actually have, and they're utilizing everything he's able to do. He's a really good passer, and we know that the dude can squat a thousand pounds, six hundred. Uh, <laughs> but great job, 
Great job by the Eagles. All right, so I have a question for everybody. What would you do if you woke up one morning and your franchise was gone? They just picked up and moved. What would you do? You wake up in the morning in Philadelphia and the Eagles are gone. You wake up in Dallas, they're gone. With all that history, all those Hall of Fame players, the stadium, and, and, and if you have nothing to root for now. Nothing. Nothing. What would you what would you do? How would you feel? What if you worked for them and it was a short notice thing, let alone play for them? No warning. Team, they just move. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Throughout the history of the league, the NFL, teams have left the original cities that they were in. I mean, just a couple of examples. The Detroit Lions weren't always the Detroit Lions. In 1934, they were the Detroit Lions. Before that, they were the Portsmouth Spartans. And forgive, you know, the term, but the Boston Redskins, they moved to Washington in 1937. If you know anything about being a Rams fan, when they finally won the first championship and having the first winning record in their team's history in 45, 1946, the next year they moved to the, uh, to Los Angeles. 95, they go to St. Louis and back to LA in 2016. The Dallas Texans, well, we know they were the Kansas City Chiefs in 1963 after they left Dallas. They had two teams there. 1960, you had the, uh, the first year of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, you know, we weren't going to compete with two teams. And they actually were outselling and outdrawing the Cowboys. The Cowboys were terrible. So, you know, there you go. The Oakland Raiders, we know about their moves. One day we'll do a show about them. But, you know, they were the Oakland Raiders since their inception in 1960. And then they go to L.A. in 82. Then back to Oakland in 95. Now they're in Vegas. The Tennessee Titans, you know, they were in Houston since 1960. And then we got them here back in 96 97 well i just like to know what the feeling was when those teams lost you know those cities lost their teams boston they got the patriots eventually pretty much you know the new england patriots cleveland they ended up with the browns in 1946 dallas ended up with the cowboys in 1960 like i said earlier in oakland you know you see what happened there are they going to get another football team? Well, I don't know. Signs point otherwise. San Diego, same issue. The Chargers, they were in San Diego for 56 years. What's the reason the teams move? What's the most 
the 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 the, the main answer for that stadiums we want a new stadium it really comes down to finances because the stadium is probably trash and in these renovations and you know that's going to not only just make it look good but help draw fans in right um it comes down like i said to finances and also fans that are not showing up to games they're not interested sometimes that's the reason why they're not interested sometimes the team is just that bad but a lot of those early teams in the history of the league, you know, they either folded or relocated because there wasn't enough money coming in, period. But it's mostly about getting a new stadium. What do those new stadiums bring in? Revenue, money, moolah, dividends, bread, ends uh, to both the team and the surrounding businesses. It's also just a good look to have a new stadium or an upgraded stadium. Examples, you got Jerry World. AT&T Stadium, it cost the Cowboys $1.2 billion, something like that. MetLife, the Giants and the Jets play there now, $1.6 billion. That's a lot of money. Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I've never been in there, but I've been by it. Wow. That, I mean, it's, it's nice. The Atlanta Falcons down there in Atlanta, that cost them like $1.5 billion. Then there's the Death Star, where the Raiders lost on Sunday. <laughs> I'm sorry. Allegiant Stadium. The, the Vegas Raiders, $1.8 billion. Look at that thing, man. And then you got your defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams, and the Chargers. They both play at SoFi. SoFi Stadium, $2.6 billion. Billion dollars. Yes, Dr. Evil. One common denominator. Remember I said it? It brings in revenue, right? Well, not only that, all of these stadiums have some, at some point, they have hosted the Super Bowl. Super Bowls, <laughs> past, present, and future. They're supposed to be building one here in Nashville, you know, for the you know the Tennessee Titans, and they're supposed to be domed, uh, and I think they're supposed to open it around 2026, 2.6 billion dollars, Doctor Evil. But you know, we had the NFL draft back here in Nashville in 2019, uh, and it brings in. Uh, not just you know new fans and things like that but it helps the surrounding businesses in the area and the city is, is responsible for part of that cost then with that being said after bringing in former colts baltimore colts owner carol rosenblum and before i do that let me give you a little bit of a history timeline of course uh, i'm just gonna go back to 1946 because you had some of the original teams one of them was the Dayton Triangles, and it goes back to them changing names through the 20s and 30s. But in 46, the AAFC, or the All-American Football Conference, they had Florida's first professional football team in, in the, the, the city of uh, Miami, the Seahawks. They folded. Why? Because their owner couldn't pay their team. They came, couldn't pay the players You know, towards the end of the season. He had no money. He had the least amount of money of all the owners that started the All-American Football Conference. And of course, they ended up relocating them to Baltimore. They paid the guys, you know, between the other owners and the commissioner, they agreed, we're going to pay you players and help relieve you of some of this debt. Now, the rest of that is your problem. Anyway, they, re they relocate, relocated and their original uh, colors were green and silver. Now, that first Baltimore team, they were just 7-7, seven seven, but they made the playoffs. After that, they stunk, all right? The AAFC folds after 1949-1950. The Colts, along with the 49ers and Browns, they're, you know, among the three teams the NFL takes in. That lasted a year, and there was no franchise in Baltimore anymore. 
and 52, another failed franchise, the original Dallas Texans, not the Kansas City uh, Chief Dallas Texans. They actually ended up being relocated to Baltimore after the city was awarded another franchise. And this is after Commissioner at the time, Burt Bell, said to the city, sell 15,000 tickets in six weeks. They did it in four. And not only that, he got with his old buddy that did not want to get into pro football, but he said, okay. And for the, the price of $13,000, he and his, his ownership group, they bought that team and they became the new Baltimore Colts. That's Carol Rosenblum that did that. Memorial Stadium, where they played their home games, it was built in 1921, right? Rosenblum wanted a couple of things for the city, from the city of Baltimore because by the time they were in, what, the late 50s, going into the 60s, mid-60s, I read in the old Sports Illustrated article, as a matter of fact, he was trying to plan on getting the new stadium and luxury boxes and all of that stuff. He, he wanted an upgrade, upgrades, upgrade. Please upgrade this stadium because it's old. It's been around since the 20s, right? Know this about Rosenblum. He was a big-time fan of the team, as well as football by that time. And apparently, the city, they wasn't supporting the team. Um, I read in one article, it was written by an Andrew Zanton. Rosenblum wanted the stadium field, not just in regular season. He wanted them there in preseason, too, and ex exhibition games. He wanted the field come to the game. But the stadium's old. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, right? You get a fan base that's used to winning, and when you don't win championships on a consistent basis... For the lack of a better way to say it, I guess the fans get bored. The people stop showing up. Remember the, the Colts that went to the championship, uh, what, in 58 and 59. They won both of those. And then, of course, you go into the 60s. Of course, Super Bowl three was a dud for them. But they were always winning. And they was used to it. But I think they, something happened. You know, they got bored. Six championships between 1958 and 1970. Three titles, not to mention 12 winning seasons between 57 and 70. They were either bored or they were settled nothing less than winning every single game. Just ask Nick Saban in Alabama about that uh, when they play Roast Beef Tech. I stole that from Colin. Yeah, Colin Cowherd. Anyway, the Baltimore Colts, uh, the owner, Rosenblum, he wanted renovations at the least. He offered to build a $10 million stadium outside of the city of Baltimore as well. They weren't having it. And between the Colts fan, uh, which was the uh, Maryland governor, Marvin Mandel, and the mayor of Baltimore, William Donald Schaefer, and then you had another guy by the name of Bill Boucher, who is the executive director of the Greater Baltimore Organization, they had combined in an attempt to push through some plans for a new stadium. And this is according to that Sports Illustrated article. They waited way too late. Now, Rosenblum had another friend. He was the owner of the Rams, Dan Reeves, who was dying from cancer. Okay, and eventually he passed away in 1971. And the Chicago, uh, Chicago native and a businessman, rich guy, by the name of Robert Ursay, he put in the highest bid for the Rams at $19 million. And then you had the famous trade, we've talked about it before, where they just even swapped franchise for franchise. Uh, so Ursay, he traded the Colts. Uh, traded the Rams for the Colts, you know, and no players, no coaches were involved. It was just franchise for franchise. And I think that Rosenblum even gave him a couple of million dollars, all right? And this is going down after Baltimore had won the Super Bowl, well, about two years earlier. He didn't want to stick around. And Rosenblum was a Baltimore native. Hmm. 
keep in mind, Rosenblum, uh, he had grown tired of his city. <laughs> so, and also how they were dealing with his football team. And he had threatened to move the franchise. That was blocked by the commissioner, Pete Rosell, you know, at that time. He trades his way out of Baltimore, a move that both the city of Baltimore and Roselle would wish had never happened. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. If anything can be said about Carol Rosenblum, it would be that he was a guy that demand a man that demanded winning. Okay, just think of him as being. Uh, well, I don't know if Jerry Jones is a good example. Now I thought about this over the weekend. <laughs> Jerry Jones ain't really demanding winning. He's just trying to do things his way and get the credit for it. But just you know, I'll just leave that out. So the the Rams of the seventies that he was with. Rosenblum had a squad that ascended, all right? Saved the 1972 season. The Rams were in the playoffs every year. They made it to the NFC Championship four of the six years. And look, <laughs> that I mean, it's great. Uh, things were great. And he had the, the unfortunate drowning accident the summer before the Rams in 79, the summer before the Rams finally broke through and made the Super Bowl. Ursa and the Colts, well, it was a different story. They actually got worse. Now, towards the end of the 70s, they were actually in the playoffs, you know, with Burt Jones at quarterback and things like that. Matter of fact, the last playoff game to be played in Memorial Stadium was the Ghost to the Post game. Yes, when the Raiders came in and beat them, the Colts in overtime. So, yeah, that was that was what, in 1977? So, after that, yeah, I mean, it was already shaky. You know, do with that what you will. So, Ursa proved to be just as impatient as carol rosenblum was except that rosenblum actually hired the right coaches he got with eubank two championships don shula hall of fame coach won 70 percent of his games even though he didn't win any championships uh but he got them there right don mccafferty who replaced don shula he won super bowl five and you got two of those guys that are in the pro football hall of fame eubank and shula now ursay 
he eventually fires Don McCafferty five games into the 72 season. I'm just stick with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. After McCafferty, he had a bunch of coaches. John Sandusky, Howard Schnellenberger. Yes, before he was a coach of the Miami Hurricanes. And he fired him after the third game because he wouldn't, because uh, he was the guy that he was like Jerry Jones. who tried to be on the sideline and tell somebody, pull that quarterback out, put this quarterback in. And Schnellenberger's like, basically get lost. After the game, he actually fired Schnellenberger, who was still in his office, and he used the the Joe Thomas, who was the director of player personnel. He appointed him as the football coach. <laughs> you can imagine that. Imagine that locker room, how they was uh, going to go off, and how they went off. Then you had Ted Marchabrota, Mike McCormick, and then finally he hired Frank Cush in 1982. That season, the Colts suffered their only winless season. They were 0-8-1. So this, the you know, they're in the toilet at this point. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Seven coaches, man. Seven coaches. And Baltimore ends up with a record between, you know, this is all under Robert Ursay from 1972 to 1983. They were 68, 104, and 1. Bad. The fans, they weren't feeling the, uh, the stadium when they were winning, when Rosenblum was around. What do you think they were going to do with a losing franchise? They weren't coming to the game. Robert Ursay, he still had the same problems that Rosenblum had before him. He wanted renovations or a new stadium. And the city was not supporting it. So this time, the reason it was because the Colts weren't winning. They were bad. You need players to do that, right? So we talked about the 80s Broncos and John Elway. He wanted nothing to do with Baltimore. Why was that? He didn't like Frank Cush or Robert Ursay. There's reason for that, too. Ursay's reputation was bad, y'all. I'm going to do this according to the Baltimore Sun. Ursay, and I'm going to quote this, quickly developed a reputation as a meddlesome, impetuous team owner given to drunken fits of rage, end quote. And also he was remembered for drunken public appearances as well as unstable management. I mean, look at coaching resume. He's not exactly keeping people. So that's not good. Uh, Tom Maddy, he was the one who scored the game-winning touchdown in overtime back in 58 he's the former coach running back and he was a broadcaster at the time he basically said that fans hated him you know they saw right through the guy that that's what they hated him and not to mention that he had no real friends in the league you know as far as the nfl owners except for broncos new owner edgar kaiser and of course edgar kaiser jr that was because ursa had some business interests in colorado so you know he befriended him and that's kind of what really got the trade done with when they drafted Elway anyway. <laughs> when the Colts drafted Elway, when they knew he didn't want to be there and they made the trade. All right, rest is history. So after that that season, Baltimore, they had finished 7-9 and nine in 1983. Throughout the year, there were questions, and not just the year, but leading up to that year, but especially that year, of whether Robert Ursay was actually going to move the team. And those questions were often met basically with the same and you know i'm not going to move the blankly blank bleep bleep exclusive exclusive team i'm not you know if i would i tell you you know let me take a breath though all right so there, i guess there's one thing that sports people they must remember uh you football fans or even basketball fans not everybody's a fan of your team just because they live there that doesn't mean that they're titans fans or cowboys fans or falcons fans or rams fans seahawks fans that doesn't mean uh that they are fans of the team not everybody's supporting the franchise some of them wish you would not 
be here, especially because of traffic and everything else, right? And the taxes. The taxes get raised or whatever because of a new stadium that's built. See where I'm going there? Um, so it's, it's just they're not fans of the, of the team. It's simply not true. When a plan for a new stadium goes through, it's because the people really want it. Right? You got to have more than 50% of the vote. And if the people aren't supporting it, it's going to fail. And I don't know how many of you heard of the Balto Dome. I had no idea until I you know, was reading up on you know some in-depth details. But this was supposed to be the new stadium project for the Colts going back to, what, 1974, I think it was. And it was supposed to be the new stadium project for the Colts as well as the Baltimore Orioles of, you know, the Major League Baseball. And also any hockey or basketball teams that would play there. It was a dome that was estimated at $78 million to build. And Baltimore Orioles owner at the time, his name was Gerald Hofberger. And I'm going to quote him. I will bow to the will of the people. They have told us what they want to tell us. First, they don't want a new park. And second, they don't want a club. Hmm, end quote. What else is there to say? Not to mention that you had some new stadiums that were being built during the time. You had the Superdome in New Orleans. Uh, it was actually unfinished in 74 for the 19, you know, January of 75 was when Super Bowl IX was played, the Steelers in, in, in the uh, Minnesota Vikings. That's, they were supposed to play in the Superdome, but they moved it to Tulane Stadium because the stadium wasn't finished. But you have those other teams. Seahawks were coming in, what, 76? They were building that. I think it was the Kingdome. And basically no public funds were going to be used to build a new stadium for the Baltimore Colts. Fast forward to 1982. They couldn't win a game. Strike-shortened season. Indianapolis had begun construction on the Hoosier Dome. Back to Ursay. Since June of 1979, Ursay had threatened to move the Colts and also claimed he had offers from multiple cities like uh, Jacksonville, Memphis, Indianapolis, Phoenix, and October, and I'm going to go through a timeline, October of 79, Ursay claimed having been misquoted about leaving Baltimore on Halloween. The same year, Maryland Governor Henry Hughes was planning to build a $22 million, uh, it was, he was going to spend $22 million on Memorial Stadium. Jim Ursay then withdrew his proposal to move the team. Hmm. June 10th, 1981, the Colts signed a two-year stadium lease which would prove to be their last, all right? January of 1984, Ursay apparently it opened up negotiating with Phoenix to move. This is January of 1984. He did the same in New York City in February, the next month. They was trying to play in Shea Stadium. What's up? You know, how about that? Through it all, Ursay still denied, you know, his intentions of moving the team. Hmm. This in mind, now, NFL owners had voted to give Robert Ursay permission to move the Colts, so he had their approval, okay? Check this out, and I must go to another quote. The Baltimore Sun, March 26, 1984. This is very important. The state Senate studied two bills related to the Colts. One called for the state to purchase the team outright for $40 million and sell it back to the local investors, all right? The other called for the state to condemn the Colts and begin what's called imminent domain proceedings to take over the team as a public interest. On March 27th, 
the state Senate approved by vote of 38 to 4 the eminent domain uh, legislation excuse me, that would give Baltimore power to seize ownership of the coast. It had not yet gone to the House of Delegates, though. So basically, the city was going to take the team from Robert Ursay, but it had not been official yet. Now, I read in a place where the, 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 I think the governor at the time, I think it was the mayor or the governor, they basically denied that they were going to actually go through with it. Okay, he said he wouldn't have let it happen. I can't remember which one of those gentlemen it was, but here's the thing. <laughs> in the early morning of March 28th, Colts equipment manager, John Scott, he got a call from Jim Ursay that basically said the Colts were moving and that he had to get as many boxes as he could and tell nobody. Don't tell your family, don't tell your friends, don't tell anybody. Now, a little bit before 10 p.m. that night, 14 Mayflower tractor-trailer moving trucks had arrived in Owings Mills, Maryland. That's the site that was the site of the Baltimore Colts training facility. About 30-plus men packed the stuff up. The trucks didn't all leave at once, but they left as they were packed and... You know, they didn't want to cause any attention. Eventually, there were some news cameras that got wind of it. You know, some news people that got wind of it. Because that, they have that on camera. You've seen that on ESPN. You've seen that, uh, you know, whatever on television. Whenever they talk about this move in the middle of the night, you see the footage with the snow falling and the Mayflower trucks moving. They're, they're leaving the facility in the middle of the night. This took place between 10 p.m. and uh, just after midnight. The, I think the last truck left. So you got that famous camera shot of that. Pete Ward, who is now the Coast Chief Operating Officer, and uh, he was the Administrative Assistant in 1984. He fell asleep, this is afterwards, in his empty office floor and woke up about 8.30 that morning when employees began arriving for work. He had to give them good news or bad news who would be going to Indianapolis and who would not be. Then there's Rick Russell, the president of Mayflower's moving operations. He took the call from the man who was the CEO of Mayflower and the chairman, Johnny B. Smith. He was having lunch at the Indianapolis Athletic Club and the call was an all of a sudden we have to move the Baltimore Colts to Indianapolis type call. Russell had to speak to the media the next morning and basically had to tell them a Cliff's Notes version of the move, load up everything, and we'll let you know where we need to take it. Of course, back in Baltimore, <laughs> that next morning, people are heated. They're hurt. Eventually, there's lawsuits. A settlement, a settlement did get reached, you know, and I think even the, the Colts, you know, they had a marching band. I think that they had to scramble to get all their stuff before it ended up in Indianapolis. Um, and they, I think in that lawsuit, they had to return, I think it was a lot of some memorabilia, especially some Johnny Unitas type stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. That, that is crazy. Just imagine having to do that in the middle of the night because Ursay, I think he got, I think it was that he got wind of the eminent domain. And he said, we got to go. We got to go. The Indianapolis Colts, you know, those first couple of years, uh, they were what four? The first year in '84, they went four and twelve, and five and eleven. They were three and thirteen. 
they made the playoffs in 87 with a 9-6 record. So they weren't they weren't great. You know, they improved. Um, now, Ursay, he passed away in 1997, but not before seeing the Colts reach the conference title game in 1995. They lost the AFC Championship to my Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, his son, Jim Ursay, who's, of course, the owner now, ushered in a very, a way better era, okay? Uh, so, he brought in, they, what, Jim Harbaugh, quarterback, and they drafted uh, eventual Hall of Fame running back Marshall Falk, who was great for the Colts. Uh, they you know, made that trade before that with the L.A. Rams to bring in Eric Dickerson. In 1998, they had brought in a virtual Hall of Fame GM and team president, Bill Polian. He came over from the Buffalo Bills after those four Super Bowl appearances. Polian drafted players like Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, Ricky Wayne, Jeff Saturday. You know, they brought in a lot of these guys, Adrian James, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Robert, uh, Dallas Clark, and the Colts would eventually would appear in two Super Bowls. They won one, you know, up under Tony Dungy. And, of course, the other one, they lost with Jim Caldwell. But, you know, pretty decent coaches nonetheless. Now, with all that being said, the city of Baltimore was left holding the bag. And I guess the question um, that I would have, and I thought about this on Saturday, I mean, especially for the mayor and the governor, could the move on the stadium, could y'all have done that sooner? The renovations? You know, the fans, as far as they're concerned, I mean, it simply wasn't enough for you that, uh, you know, there weren't enough of you that wanted to appease both Carol Rosenblum or Jim Ursay. And sure, the guy was questioning character. Talking about Ursay, he was obnoxious and by multiple accounts, by the way, basically had a drinking problem. So I understand if they wanted to try to take the team away. I understand that. Um, but Indianapolis, along with, you know, he had Indy and Phoenix in his back pocket. So he had something to lean on. Indianapolis was ready. They were prepared. They had the Hoosier Dome. $80 million they spent on that dome stadium. A new practice facility. And they had secured a $15 million loan at 8% interest for Ursay, uh, Robert Ursay. That was for him uh, to be able to pay his bills. Uh, and, you know, and be able to do that. As a matter of fact, as far as the move was concerned, it was free. If I read that correctly, they moved him for free. And they ended up getting a lot of business from that. I think the city, uh, the Baltimore, I think the I think the Baltimore store guy, not well, not the store, but I think it was like the, the, the man that was over the Mayflowers on that end you know, around the Baltimore area. They thought it was going to be a negative thing. It actually was something positive. It was like, oh, let's use Mayflower. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's crazy. That's crazy. So, also, check this out. March the 6th, 1984, Coach Frank Kush, Jim Ursay, and their lawyer, Michael Chernoff, they flew to Indy under assumed names. All right? Under assumed names to inspect the dome. So they had, they knew what they was doing. And yes, according to the timeline from the Baltimore Sun, on March 8th, Maryland actually offered the same 15 million and 8% loan, plus a $2.2 million debt release uh, on the Owning's Mills complex. So they was trying to set something up, but I feel like they waited too late, but I think Ursay wanted out of there no matter what. I, that's, they tried, the city tried, but they waited too late. Ownership have been asking the city for at least renovations, at the least, since the mid-1960s. 
I don't blame the owners. I don't. I also get the true Baltimore fans being forever upset. They could care less about Robert Hersey. The point is, they lost their team. You took our team from us. You could go, well, you should leave that team here. I totally get that. Now, as for Baltimore, they would get another team, and they would have a Hall of Fame quarterback to thank for that. So you check out those details on next week. That's it. References. Thanks to ProFootballReference.com, ESPN.com. Also, Life Before Indianapolis, a history of the Baltimore Colts. Now, that's from BonesawTripod.com. All right. The Baltimore Sun, we had a couple of articles. The first one written by John Morgan on January 14, 1997. Robert Ursay, Colts owner, dies at 73. Controversial figure broke fans' hearts, moving team to Indianapolis. And also this one, Baltimore Colts timeline, anatomy of a move, March 6th, excuse me, March 26th, 2009. And at March is Stuck in my head. The Buffalo News. Also, this one by Mark Goggin and Sandra Tan. A little tandem written uh, piece there. The 10 newest stadiums in the NFL and what Buffalo can learn from them. It's dated March 20, uh, 31st, 2019. Sportsking.com. Written by Dave Manuel. May 29th, 2022. On July 13th, 1972. LA Rams were traded for Baltimore Colts. Another one, medium.com, Carol Rosenblum, an old-fashioned NFL owner. That written by Andrew Zanton. BeMoreColts.com, history of the Baltimore Colts, also Sports Illustrated. This one, E.M. Swift, dated December 15, 1986. Uh, also, credit to SportsIllustrated.com, period, right? USA Today, this one written by Philly, Philip B. Wilson, March 29, 2014 care of usa today sports 30 years later remembering how the colts move went down and also my favorite espn 30 for 30 documentary elway to marino this was per nfl films director ken rogers this has been the behind the mic podcast i'm your host michael neal jr the show is presented by belly of sports also belly of sports podcast network bellyofsports.com go on it click on it and follow the directions and read and listen spreaker is our home base apple podcast spotify google podcast amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, and popular podcast spots that you can listen to your favorite shows we're on them and also youtube tell all your friends and family about this show or i'll find your house i'm not kidding i'll knock on the door hey are you listening i'm gonna get you (laughs) i'm out It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.